If this life is driving you to drink, you sitting around wondering just what to think. Well, I got some consolation. I'll give it to you if I might. You know I don't worry about a thing, 'cause I know nothing's gonna be alright. Hello, I'm Ellie Mayo Hagen, and I'm Owen Jones, and this is Agitpod, our fortnightly podcast. Well, I mean, we did it last week with Josie Long, and we did it the week before. So, on a technicality, that's inaccurate information. Why would anyone trust the rest of the podcast if, from the out, you're already saying things which are demonstrably untrue? Fake news. Hashtag. Hashtag fake news. You are basically Donald Trump. Thanks. But even more orange. <laughs> this is outrageous. This is absolutely outrageous. I'm leaving. Well, he said an angry tweet. That's the sort of thing people like you do, Donald Trump. Rip off. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. Terrible stuff. Well, that, if you're wondering, by the way, is uh, after my barrage of um, offensive comments towards my beloved companion, Elima Hagen, that is the dulcet tones of none other than Mark Steele, the celebrated comedian, columnist of the year. I've never won that, annoying. Uh, also, also our friend, travel the country with him. Hello, Mark. Hello, how you doing? I love the thing, on Twitter, I've noticed that people can be complete doesn't matter how wrong they are it doesn't seem to affect their stance or they never go oh sorry you could someone could go why should we listen to claire balding's views on horse racing when she ruins zimbabwe and you could put no you've mixed her up with robert mugabe yeah but my point still stands there's no humility at all is there she did inefficiently expropriate white owned farms in zimbabwe though yeah it's a weird career choice wasn't it a weird like she real like sideways move there was a year when the, the olympics wasn't on yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff went down that year. It's an interesting phenomenon, that though, isn't it? Because you know, when I get bail, or frankly, you two here, it's kind of not understandable. People shouldn't behave like that, but you know, we do say things which not everyone agrees with. We've got strident views, but like complete, like just the most inoffensive. Dare I say, it, national treasures? We people oh, going, yeah. go fuck yourself, you piece of fucking shit. I hope <laughs> yeah. you die in a vat of acid. Yeah, that was, that was show Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not laughing. You're yet. the worst person who's ever been in a James Bond film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then she's like, "Well, I've learned my lesson." <laughs> it's just not a fair comment. Yeah. The, the, the general public have the right to express their views. <laughs> it's a strange beast, Twitter. Probably most of you are listening to this from Twitter, so um, behave yourselves. That's the lesson. I got one that I thought it was, you know, just my little joke. And uh, it was a Jeremy Corbyn related joke. And uh, I was just one morning and I went out, went up the shops, come back. And uh, I was trending on the little thing. Oh, hello. God, it's always, you always know it's a bad move. <laughs> never trend. Never good. Like, oh, no. <laughs> it was just, you know when my you just whipping through it with your finger? I mean, you're either dead or in trouble. Oh, my God. Hundreds. MPs, union leaders, all sorts. You must apologise, like as if I was sort of you know, a cabinet minister or something. It was quite entertaining. That's when he resigned as deputy prime minister. But I mean, I find that, as Ellie knows, I've got this thing, if it, if it all goes wrong and it just crash and burn and TV and it's all gone wrong and there's no way out, is to start singing, I don't know if this is, I mean, you're a different generation, Mark, if we're going to be honest, but to go, Bodger and Badger, Bodger and Badger, la, 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 la. <laughs> and then people go, oh, how was Owen on TV last night? Should we check on Twitter? And it'll go, well, he's trending and what's below it? Is it Bodger and Badger? It is Bodger and Badger. Is mashed potato trending? Yes, it is. And that's how we'd always know. Yeah, that was like our code for like knowing that Owen had finally gone down in flames. <laughs> but what a like, way. That'd be viral content. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, if you're going to go down, you may as well make it a thing. Involving you know? a CBBC programme. 
Oh, yeah. well, I think we should call it a day. I think that's probably one over the floating voter. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. right. So, yeah. It would be remiss not to mention the horrific terrorist attack, obviously down the road in London Bridge, murdering bastards. Yeah, it's kind of, it feels like we're saying this quite a lot in our podcast at the moment. And I, I do like Sky Papers with Dan Hodges went to Fortnite, and I feel like there's been quite a lot of occasions and we've had to talk about this kind of stuff in the news, you know, when you, when you have to review the news every couple of weeks, it really does bring it home to you that how often it's happening. Well, I mean, it's just get, you've got a choice in life, haven't you? Some people are like, oh, I'll be a nurse and look after people, or I'll be a teacher and help kids, you know, be educated, future the country. These people went, last thing I'll ever do is just murder people having fun. Yeah. I know, I'm, I'm going off them. Yeah. Tossers. In terms of moving on, though, because... Um, we should talk about, obviously, swiftly the implications. Now, Theresa May, I mean, I think the problem I had with her, right, is in the aftermath of that kind of attack, there was an agreement not to campaign. And some people are like, nah, we shouldn't do that. We should, that's giving in to terrorism, keep on campaigning, they shouldn't impinge on our democracy, and that's a legitimate argument. But she agreed, and so did Labour, to, to, not, to not do that. So then she stood on the steps of Downing Street with the Prime Ministerial insignia and stood on the steps, and she did the first part, which is fine, you know, stand up against terrorism and remembering those who died and praising those brave people who, who obviously killed the terrorists and looked after the victims. But then the second half, she advanced a four-point proposal on dealing with it, dog-whistled yeah. about tolerance of extremism, and then said, um, you know, enough is enough, which is ironically the, t- uh, the uh, slogan used by police officers a few years ago, protesting against the cuts she'd imposed because she's been... Home Secretary, six out of seven days. I didn't have much sympathy for after that, I'll be honest with you, Mark. Well, that was always going to be the way. They're not... I mean, this may be cynical, but when they all meet up and decide on their strategy in the aftermath of something as as vile as that, they will still be going, well, how do we we play this, don't we? They will be doing that. I, mean, I, I don't believe for a moment they, they don't be. that they would. Of course they are. They won't be saying no, no, no. I don't. If somebody says, well, I think the important thing is, you know, they will still be meeting with the Paul Dacre and the, you know, whoever they meet from the Sun and what have you, and they will be. You know, this is a week till the election. It's very important that we we play this in the right way. They won't be saying, well, I don't think. I think it would really be uh, inopportune to um, <clears throat> to use this to our political advantage. They're not going to say that. Of course they're not. Well, I think the thing is, is even whatever conversations they're having in private it, it felt like her statement like that is what she was trying to do so the kindest kindest thing that you can say about Theresa May in that moment is that she really misjudged it that's the kindest that's the most generous explanation of like her, her statement is that it was just a massive mid- misjudgment but it felt like to me like it was campaigning which I yeah. thought was like you either decide okay, we're going to stop campaigning out of respect for these people so that the news agenda is focused on what's just happened. Or you say, we're going to carry on campaigning because we don't want normal life to be disrupted. You don't say we're going to stop campaigning and then just do it anyway. On on Radio 5... That's the worst of all uh, worlds. On Radio 5 this morning, there was a Conservative politician, I can't remember his name, and he spent pretty much every moment of his opportunity to speak, saying, Jeremy Corbyn opposed the shoot-to-kill policy. He said this last November, he opposed the shoot-to-kill policy. So that was absolutely... November 2015. That's when it was, wasn't it? And and actually, the interview that was based on um, with the BBC, the BBC Trust had to issue um, a slap down because it was inaccurate what was said, and actually Jeremy Corbyn and Medically, he did support shoot-to-kill and these sorts of... 
Right. Yeah, but you're right. They're, I mean, the line well, So that yeah. was clearly there is not a not a, a, a moment in which they thought, oh no, that would really be um, that would really be in rather bad taste to use this to use these events to to try and further our political aims. Of course, they're not going to do that. You know, I mean, these after all, you know, these are politicians who have you know would support wars and so on if they think that it means that it's going to going to further these people. They sell arms to Saudi Arabia. They're not going to. They're not going to talk about that. We should be open. Theresa May is a threat to national security. Why do we say it? She made these, what, 20,000 cuts in police offices, which, you know, Peter Kirkham, who used to be a senior Met guy, said, uh, officer said, ah, you know, this had plunged the police into crisis. Um, And, uh, you know, where we have senior police officers saying we need more resources. But also, the Saudi dictatorship, not a fan of them, I have to say, they chop people's heads off for people like me bloody gays, um, and uh, the dissidents, and they treat women abominably, and they export their twisted ideology the world over, including to this country. And our Prime Minister is kowtowing to them. She went on a visit a few months ago, said we need to be, you know, have even closer relations with these sadistic monsters who are literally exporting an ideology. She didn't call them sadistic monsters, by the way. That's Owen. Just in case. That would be a weird oh, political statement be... to make. <laughs> yeah. We need to be closer. needs to be received I... by these <laughs> I have been, yes, especially if she said it actually in Riyadh with the king. Yeah. You'd, you'd actually, I'd be tempted to vote for her then. If she this said. Yeah. is absolutely marvellous and an honour to be here at the behest of your royal highness nonetheless a sadistic monster but we have enjoyed the meal very much uh it's lovely yeah uh, that would be i'd have some respect for her if she yeah. did that i'd be like well that was a that was a like, yeah, but she went because she... they they've uh, and they were friendly with assad and so on and going back you know with saddam hussein and so on and all of this has been arm saddam hussein's the teeth as yeah. he gassed people now, lovely. you could mm. say that that made us you know, that threatened our national security, which, of course, it did. Does It It does if you sort of tend to sell arms and become friends with, with um, dictators shit. around yeah. entire geopolitical regions. Who would have thought that might come back to haunt you at some point? And uh, so, uh, of course they do. Of course that's... And that's partly, I think, explains Jeremy Corbyn's rise in popularity is, is more people understand, all right, he's someone who would be prepared to say, no, you're a terrible regime and we're not going to send you tanks and guns and such paraphernalia. I know, I think what I find, like, frustrating about this is that this argument that Theresa May's been making of we're too tolerant of extremism, you know, and it's like, well, if that's the case, which I'm not sure that I think it... It is the case. That was nudge-nudge, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. If that's the case, well, then that's your fault, because you were Home Secretary for six years. How many years was she Home Secretary for? Six. Six out of how many years? Out of six. Out of seven. Out of seven. She's Prime Minister the other year. I forgot, yeah. Sometimes you forget, don't you? So Theresa May, let's just clarify, Theresa May was Home Secretary for six of the last seven years. Do you know how many years Theresa May was Home Secretary? Six. It was six, just so we know. (laughs) She's responsible for national security for the last seven years in both her capacities. So it's just like, it really annoys me. It's just like, who's, who's she blaming? And I think this is the thing when, when people go, oh, well, Jeremy Corbyn did this or that. It's like, Jeremy Corbyn wasn't in power for the last six or seven years. These people need to take some responsibility. They've been in power and like they haven't done anything about this. They've cut police numbers. Which Jeremy opposed and also flogging off arms to head chopping Saudi Yeah, and tyrants. now they, there's a report into um, extremism and there's there's reports that it's being suppressed by the government because it talks about Saudi Arabia. It was supposed to be published last year, last spring apparently, about funding support for jihadi groups uh, and apparently it's all going on about Saudi Arabia. They won't publish it. All convenient that, isn't it? 
And I, and I just feel like what's happening at the moment is that they're talking, you know, the Tory party, well, the government, basically, are talking about, you know, we won't tolerate this anymore. We're not, we're not going to stand for this anymore. But they're not actually taking responsibility for what's happened previously and how we might have ended up in this situation. And I find that really frustrating. Well, I think that when Jeremy Corbyn made his speech saying that our foreign policy in the past has had an effect, I, I think that that was, that was some, the sort of thing that you would think with the normal rules, oh my God, what's he saying? He's, you, all you're supposed to do is just say, this is a terrible, terrible event. But when he said that, you know, basically saying that if Britain hadn't gone into Iraq, there would have been less of a threat over the last 12 years since that, 14 years since that happened. I think that an enormous number of people, including people who wouldn't normally support him, probably went along with that, I guess. Well, the, actually, and the polls showed that 53% of people agreed with it. Right. Are you saying that I, the declaration of so-called Warren's Harris 17, 16 years ago has not reduced... Because we were told at the time that would keep us safe. Yeah, well, of course, and it, and it's it has a tremendous done. success. Now, I, don't th- I think it is a long way from that to saying that the invasion of Iraq is what caused the you know these nutcases the other day in London Bridge or the, the that madman in Manchester or whatever. I think there's all sorts of uh, weird psychological bits of nihilistic nonsense goes on in these people's heads now. Um, so it's not it's not just that, but clearly it is. It hasn't helped, shall we say, that we invaded. Lots of things, lots of factors. And, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. have to choose, do you? It's like a lot of it is disturbed young men with, well, not just young men, but with history of violence, drugs, alcohol. Actually, bizarrely enough, and and then there's you know there's an, a, a disturbed ideology, and also the just you know the collapse of Iraq and Libya into jihadist hellholes. Yeah, and all, all of these all of these things combine in ways that are way beyond my simple understanding. But then you hear sort of, but then so I think it is too simplistic to just say just say one thing leads to another. But then this conservative, I wish I could remember his name, guy on Radio 5 this morning, he was over and over and over again, how can we trust Jeremy Corbyn? He is a man who has been friends with Hamas, who has been friends with terrorists, who has been friends with the IRA and so on. And there clearly there clearly is a, a line in the Conservative Party that the last few days of the election, that is the that is something that they are going to push. In other words, going to make direct political capital out of this, which is... Nonsense. Let's put out the general campaign. Right, so when the campaign began, Theresa May was like, <laughs> gonna destroy the Labour Party um, for the win. And, you know, she was just, you know, announced it. She had a huge lead in poll, over twice the polling of Labour. That's what she was on. She had a huge approval rating because no one had seen her. And, uh, and, and she was just, you know, this is the end of the Labour Party. It's going to be a one-party Tory stay forever. Now, I don't want to preempt the, pot, the results because we could all be rocking in the fetal position in a few days with a c- catastrophic results. But it's not gone, not gone quite to plan, has it, for, for them? No, it's extraordinary, isn't it? It's extraordinary because, as you say, you know, and I, and I was, I bought into it. I thought about three weeks ago, I thought, no, and then I heard somebody, a few people say they've been to Wales and Bridgend and places like that. No one's voting Labour, and I thought this is terrible. If he gets one seat left at the end of this, <laughs> oh, then that, oh, then that's all you can hope for. Maybe it won't go into a minus figure. Well, <laughs> Dimbleby will be going. Well, this is extraordinary. They've actually got a n- minus number of votes. I don't know how it's happened, but uh, what do you make of that, John Prescott? Well, I think got to vote and I voted in a minus way maybe that's good I'm just, I'm just, oh no no and that, but suddenly it's sort of um now I know this from my own son who was who loved being quite cynical and uh, annoying me and 
when the on the day that the manifesto was leaked out he went this is brilliant this is brilliant and uh, not only now is he voting for Corbyn but he's all very excited he's about voted it five times mates. and I think that's clearly that's clearly made a difference I suppose that part of it is that this was the first time for 18 months for millions of people that they've heard this is what Corbyn stands for rather over and above oh he's just some scruffy bloke who doesn't know how to sing the national anthem and he just you know and he won't won't incinerate people. I love that. Will you incinerate? He's gonna love that. Back to the 1970s. He's gonna bring, bring Labour back. He's gonna bring the country back to the 1970s. That's what this is gonna do. I've been doing a joke about it. Back to the 1970s. That's what they're gonna. Then the worst thing. He's gonna be extremely cautious before he nu launches the nuclear weapon. That's the sort of thing. If you're gonna be cautious before asphyxiating millions of people in the, with a nuclear weapon, destroying an entire geopolitical region, making it uninhabitable for hundreds of years. Without doing it willingly, straight away, you might as well bring back on the buses. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> won't you do it? Will you do it, Mr. Corbyn? Or without being cautious? Or are you mentally ill? Will you murder millions of civilians? <laughs> will you? And if you did do it, would you do it while singing the national anthem? Yeah. Or will you do it silently because you hate Britain? <laughs> and uh, I think there's like lots of people have gone. Oh, hang on, this bloke's all right. I guess that's, you know... What do you reckon? Clearly, it's, oh, clearly it's huge numbers of people have shifted their opinion towards someone who has been considered for decades as being on the far left, and that is a remarkable turn of events. I think that's true, and I think, I think the manifesto did change everything, um, and I think what I've noticed is um, some people, like people went from being ashamed of agreeing with Corbyn and supporting Corbyn uh, to sort of kind of admitting it and, and then being kind of proud of it. Because um, I think over the last 18 months, there's been like, people have been made to feel embarrassed for supporting him because it's like, oh, he's useless. He's a weird guy, you know, he sort of makes jam, it's weird. And then when the manifesto came out, I think it, you know, there was a sort of sense of like, oh my God, this is really good. And I think slowly, slowly people have started saying, yeah, I'm actually, I actually support this. I'm going to vote for this. And I, th I think basically what's happened is the sort of, the sense that like supporting the Labour Party makes you a crank has gone away a lot. Yeah, I mean, it Look, we've got to be because I was going to go, oh, bloody commentary. Look, I, was, I, I campaigned for Corbyn. I put my heart and soul into his first campaign. Uh, I voted for him twice. Had a rather a few public doubts expressed. I, I thought people had made their minds up. You know, everything from blimey. National polling, underlying polling, by-elections, council by-elections, local elections. It was all pointing in one way, and it was no good way. It was... It was in the direction of Mordor. But I think that's weird. Um, just in a somewhere bad is what I meant. Um, and I just didn't see any way of turning it around. If the polling is correct, and look, gee, blimey, just. I, I always think lower your expectations, you'll still be disappointed in my case in the last two and a half years. But if it's right, it's obviously the biggest polling shift we've ever seen. That's what Sir David Butler, the uh, eminent polling expert who's been following elections since 1945, has said. Uh, but then he said he's never seen anything like the so-called dementia tax and the uh, fallout. And, and it is a combination, And because I've never been more desperate to be wrong in my entire life, and I will literally gladly film myself eating humble pie. But if it's anything other than, like, a disaster, I'm going to end up having liver failure within two days. Yeah, just... yeah, of course. Yeah, I think, sorry to interrupt, Lone, I think that, that, that this is part of a... Uh, we know this, this is part of a global phenomenon that nobody's quite got their... Mm their sort of head round really that there seems to have been there's been very little 
ideological opposition mm-hmm. that's been worked out to the sort of what's the shorthand is the neoliberal idea, the idea that nothing has a right to exist unless it's making a profit mm-hmm. in whatever field, in health or whatever, whatever it is, if it's not making money, then it's somehow yeah. And immoral. also that the government shouldn't intervene to make life better for people. Exactly, like exactly. Thing. So now that argument that that is the way forward and so on, and if the banks just destroy everything, you know, well, you know, whatever, then nonetheless they are for the, they are all is for the best possible good in the long run and so on these people are making money therefore it is good that argument has a certain coherence however much you don't agree with it the argument that you the sort of the the tony blair argument for to use a shorthand is the one that seems to have collapsed and wherever there is an alternative can you explain what you mean by tony blair the tony blair argument oh i'm forgetting that most people uh, are younger than me and just see him as this peculiar and for those people who are old in. enough we just want to relive the nightmare well the tony blair argument is that you have to pretty much go along with the neoliberal argument but suggest that there are ways of channeling some of the economy towards other other people you have to go and you have to go along with the neoliberal argument to the extent that if you have got a crazed right-wing american president who for reasons of revenge and god knows what other psychological uh, uh, frailties decides to launch an illegal war then you have to go along with that as well as tony blair did and so but that sort of argument that at one point 20 years ago mm. seemed like the only way that you could get a labor party type party into power now clearly the opposite is the case those type of parties in greece in spain in uh, in scotland they've been completely what where the netherlands yeah where there is, in france mm. where there is an an alter, where there is even an option of an alternative they collapse and in this country it's gone in a slightly different direction because the left wing that's put in a very different argument. We have to put something that is very much against the idea that the uh, that something only has a right to exist if it if it's going to make some money. That idea has taken over temporarily, in a possibly and in a only in a half and half way, the major party of the left. And so, I think suddenly millions of people feel that. There is something in this. This is outside of the established. Millions of people who would never consider themselves as part of the left want to go along with something like that. And I think, well, but I would just ask this question. Imagine if Owen Smith had won the election last year against Corbyn. Imagine if Owen Smith was what currently leader of the Labour. What are you about? Winning by a landslide. Wait a minute. Well, oh, can you imagine <laughs> it? I mean, honestly, joke aside, it would be so ridiculous. There would... He, well, then he would have negative. It's so... Look... The thing about Jeremy, I think, which we had at least at the start, which helped, was you had a base of people who, who just really liked him. And sometimes people like this people are getting a little bit creepy and a little bit weird. It was a base, they can knock on doors, they can infuse other people. And the danger is you'd end up with a leader with basically no one really liking them and also alienating people over the EU. Because actually Labour took some really tough calls on the EU issue. Yeah. I think, they, I think they were right, though, actually. Right, now yeah. I think they were right. Do you know what? I um, once uh, chaired a panel with Owen Smith and I um, introduced him accidentally as Owen Jones. 
Oh, Nick yeah. Nick Robinson did this. He's done this repeatedly, but he did it the other day. He interviewed Kezia Dugdale, the introducer as Owen Jones. Yeah, she was like, "This <laughs> is Owen Jones." He, <laughs> he just introduces everyone now as Owen Jones. It's getting ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. We've got Donald Trump on today. Yeah. I introduced him as Owen Jones. Yeah. Kezia Dugdale. Get married. I, Nick Robinson, take you, <laughs> Owen Jones. <laughs> Shit, no. She's lovely though, Kezia. And but he, he, he said, uh, "You supported Owen Jones in the leadership contest." She was baffled. Bless her. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I think the problem is it is, and it's not to have a go at Owen Smith because it is just a problem no, no, not with all, no. with that yeah, faction. It's, it's which, not personal. No, it's not personal. It's, it's that issue where I think, I think the problem with those who oppose Corbyn in the Labour Party that I've always had, um, on a, who rejected politically more than anything, is that they don't really have anything to say. They don't have any vision, policies, ideas. And it's not like that in the 90s, the third way, you know, you had the Clintons in the White House, you had Schroeder in Germany, you had Jospin in France, and they were all quite similar politically. Uh, but this time round, it is a case, I think, is, and we've seen with Trump and all the rest this, and, and France is an exception because of a two-stage presidential election where a centrist got like 23% in the first round and then was up against the fascist. You can't apply that elsewhere. But it's a general thing, which is it is going to be right-wing populism, anti-immigration, nativism and all the rest uh, will succeed unless a, a left, which is populist in its own way and inspiring, can can fill the vacuum. Yeah, I think um, the, the, one of the problems that Labour has had is how does it link its deindustrialized communities it's always represented with, like, st urban students and, like, you know, sort of metropolitan liberals, if you like, and I actually think that the manifesto does do that really, really well. I, you know, and that's, that's its real strength to me. Um, and I think it's one thing I really want to say as well, which is like this is diverting a little, but I think that this is because this is like the pre-election edition of our podcast. So I think one thing I really want to say is I'm really glad that this sort of insurgency around the Labour Party seems to have dented the kind of commentary that we've been seeing that is really rude about people who support Corbyn. Yeah, That's yeah, been really yeah, yeah. winding me up over the last 18 months because I've actually, whenever I write about the Labour Party, which I've done quite a bit, I've usually, like, instead of really talking about Corbyn and his team, like, I've tried to talk a lot about the people that support Corbyn. And and because of that, I've ended up like interviewing like hundreds of them, like meeting loads of them and chatting to them and spending time with them. And the truth is, they're just nice, normal people. Mm. Most of them are women working in the public sector. Like my yeah. mum, who's been a nurse for 45 years, she's now retired. She loves Jeremy Corbyn. She's lovely, by the way. She is lovely. And um, when uh, I wrote a piece for the New York Times uh, a while ago that was a bit critical of Jeremy Corbyn, and it was um, my first piece for the New York Times, I was really proud. And my mum wouldn't read it because she was upset that it, it was negative about Jeremy Corbyn. But the point you've made before, <laughs> I think, is spot on. These are people who will go, we've got to understand UKIP people and what makes them tick. And I agree with that, incidentally. I would apply, you know, with UKIP people and go, you voted UKIP, how dare you, damn you to eternal damnation. I'm like, no, look, that's a failure of the left. We need to win these people over. Yeah. Why have they gone there? These people would agree on that. But when it comes to Corbyn people, they're like, disgracefully deluded, off their face, cult. cults. Yeah. It's ridiculous. One one columnist, who I won't mention by name, compared them to the followers of Charles Manson. It's like, it's ridiculous, hysterical. It's ridiculous, and it's so offensive. They have been murdering people in houses randomly, though. Yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. It's true, though, isn't it? Well, they, yeah, because they live in that little world where they, they speak to other commentators and so on, and... Um, you know, and that's that's it. I mean, I was you know, when I was sort of first starting comedy. I remember getting this 
this review. I was when I was in Edinburgh, and, they, and there was one newspaper, and it always had a little comment underneath each person who they sort of said was on. And underneath me, every day, it went um, Cockney Barra Boy stories from Mark Steele. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, yeah, because in your world, you must sort of sit there. You're like and that's, a flat yeah. cap wearing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and jellied think, eels. Well, I've never heard that accent. What, <laughs> I think it is, must be good now. And I used to come on and have it and go, and go you people must have come because they've seen that and think I'm going to come on and go, here you go, ladies, I've got bathroom scales, I've got electric tees made, I'll tell you what, I'm not asking 15 quid, 12 quid, these have been on police five, I'll tell you what, I'm only joking, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Five quid a lot, there you go, ladies, and so on. Now, I've, the, the reason that that's not at all relevant is that um, is that if to that little minority of people who live in their little world, anything, anything that is outside of it just seems peculiar and odd and so on. And so, and they have an impulse who, to sort of they, squash yeah, it straight yeah, they away. They don't have, they don't know the rules. They don't know the rules yeah. of how to engage in a political debate, meaning that the, the sort of rules you would see at the Oxford Union and so on, where they're used to. And they just simply don't see it, I guess. They don't see that people are having a different sort of argument. So, people listen to this, we're on the verge of a historic, ow, my cat is biting me quite hard, in a playful way, but it still hurts. That's very professional to be able to carry on while you're being... I know, being savage. by mauled by a small yeah. tumour. Um, is that we're on the verge of a historic general election, and um, unless people have listening to this afterwards and it's all gone wrong and they're going (laughs) (laughs) I just want reassurance and they're just listening just going no maybe things will be okay they're like I've seen the election results it's awful everything's ruined so let's hope that isn't the case yeah so I think we want to galvanise people we want people going let's do this we want to go out there because the polling shows the polling that shows a shift to Labour is that a lot of it is younger voters overwhelmingly according according to polls back Labour people who haven't voted before and a lot of people are going do you know what they're not going to fucking vote they're just saying they, oh Corbyn oh look how trendy we are but they won't come out and vote and Tories privately you've got MPs being quoted going they won't get off their lazy asses to vote so Mark what I'm asking you a big ask I want you to get people motivated and inspired to turn uh, this around. Uh, well, I think that whatever happens in terms of who who wins, in a way, that's secondary. The most extraordinary thing is that millions of people are enthusiastically backing, not just backing because, oh, it's Labour and that's who we always vote for and I wish it was someone else, but enthusiastically backing somebody who stands against this notion that nothing has a right to exist unless it's going to make money. They're standing for the idea that the railways and the energy companies and the utilities should be run for the majority of people and not just for a handful of of people who are going to make a vast amount of money at the top of the society they're standing for the idea we should abolish zero hours contracts and tuition fees and that that the that the payment for that should come out of the tiny handful of people the richest one percent if you like that have made a fast fortune out of the the way that society has turned towards them this is a, a something extraordinarily radical in the terms of the last 30 years that is being offered and it seems that as it's on the agenda millions of people have gone for it and therefore the more people that vote for it the more seats that labor win the more that the more that it is clear and evident that there is a vast throng of people who back this then whatever happens after the election the better it is going to be it's going to be very very difficult for those bankers and those very 
people at the top of society, it's going to be much more difficult for them to push forward their agenda of just handing everything over to that tiny minority if there is a great mass of people that clearly have voted for something that is diametrically opposed to that. And so I would just urge everybody to to do all that they can to maximise that opposition to it. Whoop! Come on! I feel fired up. I would say don't think that stability is all you have to settle for. We don't have stability under this law. Well, yeah, we don't have... That's true. We don't even have stability. Economic decline, lots of problems. Yeah, but, but you know, the promise of stability isn't all you have to settle for. You can have a country that is better that works for the majority of people. We can have free education. We can have a free, properly funded NHS. We can have utilities and rails that is owned by the people that runs in the interest of the people. Like, we've had all those things before. We can have them again. There's no reason why we can't. And we deserve that, I think, as a country. We deserve a country that works for everybody. And we deserve to be able to write, to vote for like something better for a better country we've got that right that's what i feel like that's why i'm looking forward to voting labor because i feel like i i deserve to vote for this like this is my country too and i've got a right to like hope for something better and to vote for something better and that's why i'm going out there and that's why i think that everyone who listens to this podcast should get everybody that they know to go and vote labor because it's about damn time that things were better in this country we're the fifth richest country in the world we can afford we were but then the pound fell with the sixth now because the trees are made. Still, there's a lot of countries. Even, even if, I don't know, none of us can know. We can all speculate and you know, we've all wasted hours and hours and hours looking at daft websites that, you know, uh, Comrest, this, that and the other, and Opinium and all that. In the end, there's nothing we can, there's nothing we can do about that. The, I think what we can do something about is saying if the, the maximum vote that there is suggests that whatever happens, whatever the result of the election, the maximum vote that there is means it's very much more difficult for those people, isn't it? Those people, the, the Richard Bransons, the people at the head of the, the utilities, the bankers and so on. Obviously, it matters enormously every seat and so on. But if what stops these people is the movement, of a mass movement of people that are saying we are not willing to put up with this world in which everything is handed over to this tiny minority of greedy fuckwits, surely then that's the reason why every vote counts, isn't what? it? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like, you know, this is like now the end of Jerry Springer, you know, he does that special Jerry's final thought. I think the people who are up against this do us down, they do this country down. This is a country with so much wealth and resources and potential. And all the problems we have, lack of good housing, lack of secure jobs, poverty, declining living standards, public services under strain, an NHS plunge into humanitarian crisis education we all rely on the very future of the country educating the next generation these are all issues that can be resolved it's just willpower it's not lack of money i mean that money happens to be in the bank accounts of quite a small group of people but if we ask people who are doing all right to pay a bit more money then we can solve all these problems and some people go ah simplistic you simplistic little lefty bastards and that's just uh some of the uh feedback i get from my columns but but actually, it is... I say that to you quite a lot. But it is courage. I think the people up against are weak. They're weak, weak, weak. They're cowardly. They're people who are just kowtowing to strong vested interests. But we yeah. can't... You you know, you can have it. You can have it. You can have all these things. I love the way they go. Uh, whenever there's a sort of... Uh, whenever there's a policy such as taxing the top 5% of people a little bit more or whatever, obviously, you'd be quite a lot more if you were worth millions. And then the way they have to sell that 
the way the Daily Mail and the Conservatives have to sell that is they're going to tax you. They're going to take your money as if everyone pays more tax. And uh, no, no, I'm just I'm a cleaner. I'm on 15,000 a year. Yeah, well, they're going to tax you. They're going to take your money. It's a complete lie. They're going to put your grandparents on the game, whatever they have to yeah. say. You know? Um Whatever it is, I've did a joke about it. I'd say they could say there's no tax. They wouldn't say, oh, the, yeah, it's the poor person who's going to suffer. You, Labour put up a policy that said, we're going to tax private zoos. They'd go, it's the poor working class pensioner with a private zoo who's going to suffer from this. The little old yeah, woman like, with a little jar who's going to tip it out and go, oh, I've got 85 million quid. I'll just buy a herd of rhinos to see me through my pension. <laughs> yeah, like That's said, who they're really attacking. It's like when they said um, like they, was, they were going to put uh, VAT on private school fees and then they were like, what about all the aspirational working class people yeah. who send their children to private yeah, exactly. school? Exactly. Like, well, they don't exactly. exist. So it's that's the car fine. park attendants with their with four <laughs> kids at a private school. It's that to the people they're really attacking here. Yeah, yeah. Totally Miners. Nice. People who are still mining because they don't know it's shut down with a kid at private school. Oh, I can't believe it, Leek. I've got two kids at Dulwich College and now we're going to be a leak extra leak. <laughs> right, so we're coming to the end of this. That's amused me, so that's that's good. Right, we've all got to do our bit. Come on. Not, no door unlocked. Knock on those doors. Me and Mark, for example, on Thursday, I'm spending a whole day just on my little bike, cycling around London, trying to get the vote out. We'll be in Battersea from four o'clock onwards with a fantastic local lady. I'm going to go and Brighton that, uh, candidate. Kemp Town. Ke- do you know what? Why can't Labour should be out? Here's a thing. Right, this is the sort of thing. Now, this is, I think this is quite important. So, for example, the rail nationalisation... That, you would think, is something that, you know, your people are talking about. Oh, the Corbyn supporters with their sort of lefty hipster ways and so on. But people who would be considered absolutely at the heart of mainstream British society are people who would be the most enthusiastic people to back rail nationalisation, especially if they live in Brighton, where you could tell people who've never don't really live in Brighton because they go, oh, I'll go now because um, my train leaves in 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know the area, do you? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You get there and it's like Casablanca if you get to Brighton and you want to train. You have to find a bloke in a fez behind a store somewhere. They can get you to Crawley, but it costs much money. There is no, there is, no the train will come and go eventually. And the, and the most mainstream people in British society will stand there and have stood there, sadly, organised by... Well, not sadly, because Caroline Lucas is wonderful in my view, but the Green Party in Brighton have led, led this in ways that Labour should have done, I think. But uh, campaigns at Brighton Station and so on, and you will get the most mainstream people stood there going, it's an outrage, a bloody trains. And so these people are one across to an agenda that would once have been seen as left-wing. But now it's thoroughly mainstream, isn't it? Yeah, well, I used to work at a think tank and we did a poll that found that... Um, class. Class, that was what it was called, that found that... Uh, still exists. Yeah, um, yeah, still exists, still very good, got a very good director now called Faiza Shaheen. She's, She's very great. Good. And um, yeah, we did a poll and it found that nearly three out of every four voters want the railways to be in public ownership. They should make more of that, shouldn't they? Why don't they do more of that? They want the chief executives of rail companies locked up. So, on that bombshell, we need to kind of wrap this up, I think, because, you know, well, for one thing, they need to be out there spreading the word about Labour and trying to take on the Tories rather than listening to us babbling on. Blimey. Uh, But I would say this is, look, come on, this is the fight of our lives, you know, but history can be made. It's up to you. Go out there, text some people going, look, come out and vote. Get out there and have your voice. Don't let the Tories just think they've got this in the bag. What's your final things on that? Come on, guys. Did you do the Jeffy Springer thing? 
All right. Takes five minutes to make a phone call, and it takes even less time to vote. It's just a tick in a box. But in doing those small things, you can change the direction of this country, and you can make it something better. And you can do it, and you do deserve it. So go out and do it. Five minutes of doing that phone call, or five years of a Tory government, you decide. Go on, Mark. I think over the next two or three days, this will. This is possibly one of the critical moments in history, whether Corbyn manages to stop a Tory majority or whether the Tories just get in or whatever it is, you could make a difference. And I think that for the rest of your life, if you haven't done anything at all, you'll feel a little bit worse than if you'd done something. Nice. And on that bombshell, thank you very much, Mark. You've been an absolute legend as ever. I hate people say legend, but I've just said it, so I can't take it back, but you're a hero. Um, do you, I mean, Mark, just look up look up his stuff. Go and watch him live. He's almost criminally funny. Um, and just read his columns because he won column of the year, column of the year, whatever, pathetic. Um, Which Owen is totally over. Yes, yeah, moved on. Moved on. Um, so thank you. Only once. Yeah, oh, oh shut up. I hate people. <laughs> oh, I only, got, I only got an A. I didn't get an A. plus. <laughs> pathetic. Uh, thank you. Sorry. For, thank you for joining us today. Uh, vote Labour campaign, everyone. And uh, I would also just like to say that you win my uh, best person currently seeing at this podcast table award. Better luck next time, Owen. I hate Ellie so much. Oh. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you quite literally on the other side. After the election. Ah. Bye, everyone. Bye. But I don't worry about a thing, because I know nothing's going to be all right.